We are starting part two of School Home and the Gospel. Again, some of you may be saying, well, we already did this. Um, But notice there's three things, School Home and the Gospel. The first time we talked about the Gospel and school. This time we're talking about the Gospel and what it has to do with your home life. And it's all based off of Philippians 1.27. The Philippians 1.27, it's a book written by a guy named Paul, and his name used to be Saul, and he hated God, and he hated, uh, well, he hated Jesus, he hated Christ followers, and he was fighting against them, but Jesus kind of knocked him on his booty, and he told him, hey, I need you to follow after me, you're hurting me. And so um, he writes this letter in Philippians 1.27, and he says, no matter what, do everything in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do everything in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what he was saying. Here's what he was saying. He was saying, no matter where you go, if you're at home, if you're at work, if you're on the road, if you're, if you're on vacation, you are to live a life worthy of the gospel. That means that our life should reflect Jesus as Christ followers. Our life should reflect him and his ministry. And so um, here's what we know. No matter what your background is, um, and I know everybody has some different backgrounds when it comes to family, but everyone has some type of family. Now, this family may um, look like a, two parents and a bunch of siblings, or you're an only child. It may look like um, a situation where you have a, a mom and a stepdad or a, a dad and a stepmom. Uh, maybe you kind of do the, the, the weekends and the weeks kind of thing, going back and forth between your parents. Maybe you've got a bunch of... Um, uh, siblings, maybe you're an only child, maybe you've got a bunch of step uh, brothers and sisters, maybe you've got some half brothers and sisters, um, you've got some cousins, some aunts, some uncles, grandparents, um, maybe you live with, with a grandparent or an aunt and an uncle. I know that we all have very, very different home lives. I get that. And I get that um, some of us come from a home life that is, is great for the most part and, and everything um, is good. We've got a mom and a dad living together and, and all that kind of stuff. And some of you kind of have messed up family situations. And I've heard about it from you guys, and I know a lot of your histories. And so I know that we all have these different situations, but, but we still have an opportunity to live life worthy of the gospel. We have an opportunity to treat whoever that family unit is, um, whether they're biological or not, with respect and dignity and love and service in the way that Jesus would. And we all have a home life. We all live somewhere with other people in some form or fashion. Maybe, it's, maybe for you right now, you live with roommates or, or you live, uh, maybe you're a parent in here, you're a life group leader, and you kind of hang out with your kids and all that kind of stuff. But um, we all have a home and family life. And so when we say that and when, when I talk about that, I want you to realize that we're talking about all kinds of different backgrounds. And the key is that we live a life manner, in, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about that for the next three weeks, starting tonight. And um, so let's pray together, and we will get started. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your example. We thank you um, that you gave us yourself, that you love us fully, even in death on the cross. Lord, we need you. We need you to speak to us tonight. Speak to each one of our hearts. Calm our emotions and our brains and just let us think about you, focus on you. And I know you have a word for each of us, no matter what our background is, no matter what our history is in our family. Because I, um, I know that you want us to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus wherever we are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we know, we know this series has to do with every single person. And as Cole said last week, we read your prayer requests. Just a couple weeks ago, we saw 
that more than half of our, all our prayer requests had to do with parents, brothers, sisters, grandparents, all that kind of stuff. And so we know, and from conversations, we know that this is affecting many of you. I know that middle school and high school are, are some of the most tumultuous years in your house. Trust me, it, it usually gets better. But I know when you're a teenager and you think you know it all and, and, and your parents are, are kind of getting on your nerves and your brothers and sisters and all that kind of stuff and you're all living in one house, that it can seem like it will never end. Like it can seem like the worst thing in the world. But the truth is, family is a gift. Our, the, our, our, our biological family, our adopted brothers and sisters, our, our stepsisters, our stepbrothers, all of those things and all of those relationships are opportunities for us to show Jesus, to love people, um, to follow after Jesus, even when it's hard. And so I figured I'd talk, start by just talking a little bit about my family. I've been blessed to live um, in a family that follows after Jesus. Many of you guys know, we'll um, go to the first picture. Oh, there, there's me, and many of you guys know my sister, so that's me. I know I got a little glare on my face, and this is Miss Ashley with the little Jerry curl on top and the blue eyes, and uh, so that's my uh, my oldest sister. I'm the oldest, but she's the the middle child, and she is uh, a worship leader. She's here a lot. She is a mental health counselor, and, and she does ministry for for families that are adopting and foster kids in some of the worst situations. Um, and so she does some amazing things. Next slide. This is the family in its 90s finest right here. This is Pastor Jerry. I know he probably looks older back then, 15 years ago. No, this is like 20 years ago. He looks older 20 years ago than he looks right now because now he's a lot cooler. He doesn't wear lame glasses like that. Um, he used to have a mustache for a long time. Now he's got that cool like salt and pepper goatee. He had the kind of the, 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 the mid-90s comb over, the the. the the uh, full house look, and now he's got kind of the cool, like, shave, salt and pepper. He used to wear a suit and tie, and now he wears uh, T-shirts and, and skinny jeans sometimes. And so uh, he's a lot cooler than he used to be. That's my mom, and you guys know her because she works on staff. She's worked on and off with our student ministry and with the churches that we've been at my entire life. She is a music teacher. She went to uh, school to be a music teacher. And so when I was growing up, she worked um, at, at, like, a middle school and uh, – and now she has used her gifts uh, to help worship be better than it's ever been. So uh, you guys see her around a lot. There uh, I am. There's Ashley in her full um, awkward years glory. And there is uh, when we all go through it. Most of us, like 95% of people have awkward years. Um, 5% of you are lucky. And then there's little cute Lindsay. Um, and uh, many of you know her as Trella. So Trella... Uh, is her alter ego, and I'm just going to do a shameless plug. My sister is a worship uh, music writer, and, and by the time she was 15, she had written a, a, a worship song that is all over the world and is recorded in different languages, and you've heard it. It's Rooftops by Jesus Culture, but she wrote it, and she's written. Uh, she lives in Nashville. She signed to Sony um, in, their, in their Christian industry side of things, and she... Uh, she writes music all the time. She's written songs for like Carrie Job and, and, and all kinds of people. Uh, she's written uh, uh, stuff for um, Jesus Culture and, and uh, there's this church. Remember when we sang Frontiers at uh, Epworth? She wrote that song and, and a, a church in Chicago uh, bought it and recorded it. So she's, she's like amazing. And now she's Trella and that's like her alter ego. And that's when she does, um, does kind of her own thing and she writes and re- performs herself. And so she's kind of released an EP. It's on Spotify. Check it out. T-R-E-L-L-A. Shameless plug. Next picture. This is mommy and daddy. I call them mommy and daddy still. You're never too old to call your mommy, mommy and daddy. And your, well, your mommy, your mommy, and your daddy, daddy. Um, Again, the mustache. Notice uh, he was uh, sketchy in the 80s, and he's a lot less sketchy now. The the big, goofy glasses, all that kind of stuff. Next picture. 
Okay, so I want to tell you all about this picture. This is my favorite picture in the history of all pictures. This is myself and Ashley with, does anybody know who that guy is? An Ewok. Now, let me tell you about Ewoks. You might know them from, uh, from Star Wars, and Star Wars is great. But there are these two knockoff movies that were uh, straight-to-TV movies when they used to make movies for TV. And uh, now they only do that, like, on Lifetime or something. But they used to do it on, like, major channels. And there were two movies just about the Ewoks. So after the, the, uh, the Return of the Jedi, people were like, oh, those little furry guys are so cute. We are obsessed with them. And so they made two movies, and they're corny, corny, corny. But you can probably look them up, find them on YouTube or something. There's one where they fight this, like, Cyclops giant guy, and there's giant spiders. And it's amazing. It's an amazing thing uh, that, that the 80s came out with. But this is an Ewok, and we were at MGM Studios. What's it called now? Hollywood Studios. Yeah, it used to be called MGM Studios. This is early 90s, and there I am in a, uh, uh, what kind of shirt is that? Snoopy, yeah, Snoopy. Um, see, I was cool with the tucked in and into the uh, acid wash jeans, and uh, there he is. And the cool thing about this, um, even though I thought he was real at the time, is there is a little man inside this costume. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? And he's so furry and cuddly, and look at the way he's just bringing us in with his three fingers. That's, that's awesome. Um, and so that's one of my favorite pictures of all time. Do we have any more? Okay, cool. Uh, and, and, and I'll just tell you a little something that me and my, my sister, brother, my sisters, I don't have any brothers, my sisters came up with um, a few years ago. Uh, we were sitting around the family table and kind of talking about family life and all that kind of thing. And we kind of came up with our roles as children in the family. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this with, I'm kind of joking with this, but I'm kind of serious. And my parents love us all the same, so I don't want you to think that. But we came up with these three roles for me, Ashley, and Lindsay. Lindsay is the prodigy. I've already told you why she's the prodigy. She writes songs. She's famous, kind of, like in, in certain circles. She, like, gets flown to L.A. and flown to Sacramento and, and San Francisco and, like, writes music and makes more money than I do, and, and, and even though she's, like, still in college. And she's like, she's, like, awesome. And so we call her the prodigy. She's just the most talented person in our family. And so that's what we call her. My sister, Ashley, we call her the golden child. She's the golden child because she can do no wrong in my parents' eyes. You should have seen us growing up. Every single time anything bad happened, who got blamed? Ryan. And you guys know I'm perfect. You know I've never done anything wrong. You know I'm, I'm just holy and righteous and following after Jesus, even from a young age. I'm joking. I'm joking. But um, I usually was in the center of the trouble. I usually was the one uh, uh, being mean and hitting and, and calling names and stealing and all that kind of stuff because I'm a terrible person. But um, Ashley's kind of the golden child. Uh, my parents believe everything she says. Um, no matter what she does, it's incredible. She used to work at Starbucks when she was in college as a part-time job. And one time we went, this is no lie. One time we go in and we were like visiting her at work and we go in and my parents walk in like, oh, hey, Ashley. And they are so proud of her as they should be because she's amazing. But they like, no matter what she did, it was amazing. And she had written the day's coffee special up on the board. And my mom walks in and she's like, Ashley, did you write today's Starbucks special on the board. That is so great. And I was like, you have to be kidding me, right? Mom, like you're not seriously like praising her for writing in, in, in a, on marker on a dry erase board. But nonetheless, mom was, and no matter what happens, she's like the little angel. And me, me, I'm the favorite. Now I want to tell you why I'm the favorite. Now they don't love me more, but Ashley, Ashley came up with this actually, that I am the one they want to hang out with. And so this is how I used it to my advantage when I was little. Like when I got in trouble, I would use my powers for evil. 
and I would make them laugh until they forgot to punish me. And sometimes my dad would like be halfway taken off his belt about to whoop me, and I'd be like, <laughs> and I'd be like do a stand-up routine and tell him all these jokes, and he'd be like, man, I love you. You're so awesome. And he puts his arm around me and kind of takes me, and we get ice cream, and it's great. Um, but that was like, that, that's kind of my role. I'm like the favorite, and they just want to hang out with me. And, 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 and all of our roles are very good. I mean, Lindsay's the most talented. Ashley's just loved the most, and I'm just the most fun to hang out with. And so we each have our roles. Um, but the funny thing is, a lot of people think our family's perfect. And, and, and they say, oh, well, you got a mom and dad who've been together for however many years, 32 years. Um, your dad's a pastor. Your mom uh, works at the church, all that kind of stuff. And so they assume our family is perfect. But here's the truth, guys, and I want you to understand this. No family's perfect. And I know some people come from, from like, wretched backgrounds, and, you, and your family life is just a mess. But I, I want you to understand, no family's perfect. And we need to realize that as we go into this. There used to be this show in the 90s called Seventh Heaven. Anybody remember this? Seventh Heaven. Yeah, so it was about this, like, family with seven kids, and the dad was a pastor. And so, like, people came up to my sister at school all the time. They were like, y'all are like Seventh Heaven. Like, y'all are like a perfect family. Everything is great between y'all. But we were just like any other family. We got in fights. We said things to each other we regret. We made each other cry. Uh, we, we hurt each other's feelings. Our parents are not perfect. They did things to us that we didn't like. We did things to them that they didn't like. And the truth is we all have a family, and we all have imperfections in our family. And in Mark 6, 4, Mark chapter 6, verse 4, Jesus talks a little bit about family. He's, he's, he goes home to where he's from, and he's been, he's been performing all these miracles. He's been doing all these amazing things. And, uh, and he goes home. He's got these followers behind him, and he gets kind of a different reaction when he goes home. People start looking at him, and they're like, aren't you just like that poor kid that you grew up and your dad was a carpenter? Like, aren't you just a, like, you're not a prophet. You're not a rabbi. Who, who are you? you be, you're the guy everyone's talking about in Israel. You're just Jesus, the son of Joseph. Like, you're poor and you're trash. And, 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 and can anything good come out of this city? Like, we're just this small, hick town. Like, what's, what's going on? Are you really the person everyone's been making a big deal about? And Jesus says this very, very important line that I think applies so much to, uh, to, to this series and to our family and home life. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. A prophet is not without honor. So he's saying a prophet has honor everywhere else except for his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own home. Here's what Jesus was saying. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to follow God in your own home. It's very difficult to walk the walk among your relatives, among your own town, among your, your, your own people, your brothers, your sisters, your family, all of them, because, because they know you best, and that's where you're from. They saw you grow up and all that, and it's difficult to follow God in that environment. And we have to ask ourselves the question, why is it, and I know this is true because I know it was true for me, and from talking to you guys and, and talking to your parents, I know this is true and it will always be true. Why is it that the last place that we live out the gospel is at home? Why is it that we can go to another nation or another city, pay money to go there, go find some little snot-nosed kid who we know nothing about, who has nothing to do with us, and love them like crazy and hug them and pick them up for no reason other than to show God's love? How can we go and serve people in communities that we are not even from? And yet, we will go home, and I've done it too. So I'm, not, I'm saying this as, as someone who's experienced this. We will go home and treat our parents like trash. We'll, we'll yell at them. 
will think some nasty things. Maybe you're too scared to yell at your parents, but you just think some really bad things. Maybe, maybe we, will, we will be disobedient to our parents. We will knowingly act against them. We'll go home to our brothers and sisters, and we'll look at them, and we'll be like, gosh, you are the worst person. You are the most annoying person. I wish you didn't exist. I can't tell you how many times, and I know it's true of most people, that me and my sister said, we, I hate you to each other. And we were so angry at each other sometimes, and we got on each other's nerves so much. And why is it? Why is it that that is the truth of being at home? Why is it so hard to follow Jesus in our home and to love people and serve people in our home? And yet, we can sometimes do it to the person who's serving us at a restaurant who we don't know, on a mission trip to people we don't know, to friends at school that we we hardly even know, to teachers that we've seen uh, just for one year or one semester. Why is it so easy to love them sometimes and so hard to love people at home? Why is it so hard to live the gospel out among our family, and in our home. Now here's the truth. Your real self comes out at home. This is part of the reason why it's so hard, because your real self comes out at home. You guys know what this means. When you're at home, you live life unguarded. You are completely 100% you when you are at home. It's where you're most comfortable It's where you don't really care about the opinions of others because like you're at school, you at least have these social norms you're trying to live out, right? But when you're at home, there's so many times that it's like, man, I don't care what my parents think of me. Man, I don't care what my brothers and sisters think of me. I don't care what my cousin thinks of me or what my stepdad thinks of me. They're they're still gonna love me. I'm still gonna be their family no matter what. I don't care what they think. And so what we'll do is we'll just do whatever we want to do because we don't like try to fit in at home. We just are ourselves at home. Maybe we let our guard down. Maybe we, maybe we try to act a certain way on a, on a sports field or in a class or at work or at church especially. But so often, we'll just do whatever we want at home. That's why I, I call this the sermon, a saint at church and a devil at home. Because so many times we are a saint in the public eye, but we are just kind of wretched at home. And we do some things that we really shouldn't be doing. I can tell you for me. I am more selfish at home than I am anywhere else. I am more impatient at home than I am anywhere else. Karen can tell you the truth. She should be amening me right now because she's like, you are terrible, Ryan. But she loves me anyway, even though I'm not perfect. But but I know that's the truth about me. I know I'm more selfish at home than I am at work and than I am among you guys or with my friends or with my life group. I know that I'm impatient at home. I know that I can be so quick to judge at home. Or so quick to say a harsh word at home. And why is it? It's because it's the truth. My, our real selves come out at home. My real self comes out at home. And most of the time, we're more respectful, more forgiving, more grace-filled, more loving, more serving outside of our home than we are in our home and among our family. And here's why our real self comes out at home. Because home is where the heart is revealed. Home is where the heart is dot, 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 revealed. What does that say about you? I want, I want you to think about that, that, that in your life. What does this passage or th- this phrase say about you? Home is where the heart is revealed. Some of you may not like what that says about you because you may think, man, I'm, I am a lot worse at home. I'm a lot more judgmental and mean to the people that I'm supposed to love the most at home. And I'm not like that in other places. 
And sometimes we think, man, my life's going great. I'm doing great with, with, with these certain sins in my life, and I'm doing great with some of the temptations in my life. But then when we go home, we still fall into the selfish, greedy, impatient, not loving ways. And what it says is maybe that's a little bit more of what your heart is. And we've talked about this before. Our hearts are not good. Our hearts are not perfect. Our hearts lead us to do things that we want to do when we want to do it. And a lot of times that leads us in to sin. And so when you think about that, that line, home is where the heart is revealed. Maybe that just challenges you to start thinking about how you are at home and think about what that says about your heart. But in Matthew 15, 9, or Matthew 15, 1 through 9, Jesus uh, uh, is talking to some Pharisees. And they come to him, and this, this whole home and family versus public eye situation comes out. And it's a perfect look at it. And so what happens is some Pharisees and teachers of the law, these are the, these are the pastors, these are the, the, the people that looked great, that followed God, that obeyed all the rules, that made the rules. Here's what they did. They come to Jesus from Jerusalem. So first of all, they took like a, a, like a day off to come see Jesus because they wanted to test him. They wanted to see kind of what was going on with him. They kind of wanted to knock him down because they didn't like kind of what he was saying. And they said this, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? I want you to notice what they say. Why do your disciples break the tradition of who? Who? Does it say the tradition of God? No, they're talking about something that the old guys have made up, something that they have made up, not something that's in Scripture, not something that's in, in the Bible, but something that they have created for themselves. He says, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? And here's their complaint. Man, this is huge. They don't wash their hands before they eat. <gasps> oh, my gosh, like the worst thing ever. And they didn't have hand sanitizer. That's what I always use before I, before I eat because I don't like washing my hands. I mean, sometimes I do. Don't, 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 don't judge me. But I like, I like hand sanitizer. So um, they say, they don't wash their hands, Jesus. Your disciples, we saw them. And they take a whole day trip to go find Jesus to tell him, your disciples aren't washing their hands, Jesus. Jesus, they're, they're not washing their hands. That, that's not good. They're breaking the tradition of the elders. And here's how Jesus replied. He kind of comes back with another question. Listen to this. And why do you... O Pharisees, teachers of the law, why do you break the command of God? Not the command of elders, the command of God. Not the tradition, something that people have passed down, but God's commandment. Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, and we all know this, this scripture, it's the fifth commandment, honor your father and who? Mother, honor your father and mother. And then he says, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. So he, he, he gives this Old Testament law, this commandment of God. And he tells them about it. And he says, hey, guess what? Why are you breaking this commandment of God? And here's what he says, how they're breaking it. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is, quote, unquote, devoted to God. If you say whatever you could give to your parents is devoted to God, they are not to honor their mother or father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Here's what he was saying. These Pharisees had this little kind of like loophole. And what they would do is they knew they were supposed to help their families out. But if they didn't want to help their families out, if they wanted to be selfish, or if they wanted to kind of do things their own way, here is what they would do. They would, uh, they, they would take 
this, this money or this food or whatever. And they would say, well, this is for God. And when they said that, they no longer had to help their parents with it. Now, they may not actually give it to God. They may just keep it for themselves. But if they said that, they were able to not give it to their family. And what Jesus is saying is you made up a rule and you're breaking the commandment of God with it. Look at what he calls them. You are hypocrites. Isaiah, and they loved Isaiah. He was like one of the great prophets that had written all these things. He said he was talking about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. They put their hands up in vain. They pray in vain. It doesn't real. it's not real. And their teachings are merely human rules. They're not God's rules. They are human rules. Here's what he's saying. You act like you're great in public. You are a saint when you're in the synagogue, when you're in the church, when you're in the public places. You act like you've got it all together. You dress right. You smile right. You say the right things. But when you are in your home life, you guys are wrong. You're making up stuff so that you don't have to take care of your parents and your siblings and your grandparents and your own families. So you're great in the public eye, but you are messing up at home. And so you're a hypocrite. You're saying all these things, but you're not really doing it. See, these guys were allowing their religion to stop them from honoring God and taking care of their family. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, what does this say about us? What does this say about the way we are to live our lives at home among our family? What does the gospel have to do with our home life? What does the gospel have to do with our home life? Let me quickly uh, define the gospel. It is the good news. It means good news literally. If you were at the last series uh, in in December, you know about that. It is the good news that Jesus has come to earth, that he has died for our sins, that he has given us grace, that no matter what we do, if our lives are in him, if we have a relationship with him, he has forgiven us for all things, and we will have eternal life with him. It is that the kingdom of God has come to earth. That is the good news. That is the gospel. And so I want you to ask yourself the question, is the gospel shown in the way you treat your siblings? First, I want you to think about that. You don't have to talk to do it. I just want you to think about it. You know, is the gospel shown in the way you treat your siblings? In other words, the fact that Jesus came to earth and sacrificed himself for us, loved us to the end, served us. Do we do the same thing to our siblings? I mean, I know what it's like. Some of you are the older brother and sister, and you look at your little sibling, and you're like, man, you are the worst You get on my nerves. I don't want to deal with you. You say some hurtful things to them. And do you know, do you know whether you, whether you like it or not and whether they'll admit it or not, it depends on what age they're at, but whether they'll admit it or not, your younger siblings, if you're the oldest, if you're the oldest, they adore you. I promise you. I know it doesn't seem like it. I know it doesn't seem like it, but they look up to you. They did when they were little and they still do because that's why it hurts them when you say certain things to them. And even if you're only a couple years apart, even if you're both in high school or both in middle school, your younger siblings look up to you and adore you. You have a chance to be an example. But I know that many times we use, because I was the oldest, I understand that we would use our power and our age to hurt our younger siblings. Because, oh, well, they're younger than us. Well, guess what? You were younger too. And guess what? You weren't unlucky enough to have an older sibling treating you like crap. And yet so many times we do it ourselves. And so many of us that are younger siblings, man, we just annoy the heck out of our older siblings and our other siblings. And we're mean to them and we get on their nerves and we do things to agitate them just because we can. And the truth is that is not honoring the gospel. It's the gospel shown in the way you do chores. And I can't tell you how many times 
I, 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 would, I would do things, I would, I would not do things that my parents asked me to do. How many times I would just kind of ignore them. How many times I'd put it off and put it off and put it off or not do it or do it halfway. And I didn't honor God in the way that I just did simple chores. And I know that seems like such a, a menial thing. Man, no, no, no. All that matters is what, what I do in the mission field. No, no. What matters is what you do everywhere, what you do at home. Man, do you show grace and forgiveness to your parents? Your parents aren't perfect, I promise you. They're not, and you know it. Your siblings aren't perfect. Your cousins aren't perfect. Your step-parents aren't perfect. But do you show love and grace and forgiveness to them? Or as soon as they mess up, you hold it against them and you will not let it go. You won't talk to them for weeks. You won't, you'll, you'll say all these kind of things under your breath and think all these things, have all these arguments in your head where you win every single argument, and you'll do that all the time, over and over again. Man, are you showing grace? to the people who have supported you your entire life, who, who out of uh, their relationship created you, who put a roof over your head, who, who've, whether they're perfect or not, whether they've been perfect parents or not, who, who have been some type of, of mother or father role in your life, do you show grace and forgiveness to them like you show to your friends or to somebody that you just meet at school? Man, do you spend time at, with God at all at home? Do you love people at all at home? Do you serve people at all at home? Here's the whole point of tonight in this whole series. Bring it home. Bring it home. Turn to your right and tell them to bring it home. Man, that's so lame. Turn to your left and say it with some attitude. Bring it home. Turn to the person behind you and say, bring it home. Turn to the person in front of you and say, bring it home. Turn to me and say really loud, bring it home. There we go. That's good. Bring it home. Listen to this. Listen to this. We can, only, shh, we can only change our relationship with God at home if we bring him into our home. Some of you, you wonder why, you wonder why, listen, you wonder why it's so hard to be like Christ at home. But I want you to think about something. Do you ever do anything in your relationship with Christ at home? Because here's the deal. If you go to church, and that is the only thing, the only place where you encounter God, where you, where you uh, spend time with God. If you go to life group, and that's the only place, to camp, to Epward, that's the only place, it's not a surprise that God's not in your home life. Why isn't he? Because you don't spend any time with him at home. And this is one of the reasons why it's so important for us to spend quiet time with God in prayer and reading his word every day. Because if you're never doing anything to do with God, in your home, it's going to be very difficult to act like God in your home because they're connected. And you can't, you can't just expect to go through life never paying attention to God and then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're just like Christ to your brothers and sisters and your parents, your cousins, your grandparents. You can't expect that. I mean, we've got to look to God at home. We've got to begin to look up to God. Man, you're going to encounter situations this week where you're like, where you're so agitated. Maybe tonight. You're so agitated at your sibling. And you have a choice. You can actually, you can think about what you want or you can look to God and think about what he wants, what he did for you. You can think about the gospel. See, the gospel has everything to do with your home life. And I know it's difficult. It's still difficult for me. I do things all the time at home that I would not do in other parts of my life. And so we have got to bring it home. We've got to bring the prayer home. We've got to bring our quiet times home. 
We've got to bring the word of God into our home. We've got to bring conversations about God into our home. We've got to, when we get impatient, we've got to start thinking about Jesus. Not about how we can, I need to be more patient. I need to try harder. No, think about Jesus. Think about how patient he was with you. Think about the gospel, the good news. Man, maybe you're in, in your, your, your house and you've just been grounded and you're so angry at your parents and you're, you feel like they're being so unfair to you and you have a choice. You look to yourself and you just get more angry and you break that relationship more or you look to God. You look to God and you allow him to soften your heart towards your parents and soften your heart to see maybe the places that they're coming from, maybe the places that maybe you've messed up. In some ways you deserve to have the punishment you have. But we've got to start to look to God in our home life. And I don't know, I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's a conversation you need to go home tonight and have with your parents. Maybe it's just going to one of your siblings or one of your family members and saying, hey, it, it could be simple. And I know it takes a lot. And I know this is like, man, this is the last thing I'd want to do. Maybe you just need to go to them and say, I'm sorry. I was a jerk yesterday. I'm sorry. I've really uh, been absent at home. All I do is pay attention to my phone or my computer. I, I just go straight to my room and I never thank you for what you do. Maybe it's just showing some gratitude to your parents. Maybe you need to begin bringing God into your home. Maybe the best thing you can do is spend time with God and allow your family to be exposed to God's word. And this doesn't mean you go, you open up your Bible tomorrow morning and you say, family, family, come into the living room. I would like you to watch me do my quiet time for the next 37 minutes. I'm not gonna talk to you. I'm not gonna acknowledge you at all, but I would just like you to watch and see how holy I am. No, that, that's not really how it works. That's not how it works. That, that would be what Jesus was saying is you're putting on a show. You're not really caring about your family. You're just putting on a show. But maybe as you consistently spend time in God's word, your family might begin to notice, hey, they've changed. They've changed. We're gonna spend a, 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 some time in a couple of weeks looking at what it means to reach out to your family for Jesus because a lot of you come from families that don't know the Lord. And we're gonna look at a story of one of our former students that has reached out to her family by being consistent day after day, year after year and following Jesus and bringing it home. But what I want you to think about tonight, your action step is to bring it home. And maybe it's an act of service. Maybe it's doing your quiet time. Maybe it's starting to pray for your family. Maybe you've never prayed for your family. I rarely pray for my family. I've realized as I was writing this sermon, I rarely pray for my family. And it's easy to hate someone who you don't pray for. It's easy to be agitated with your parents when you don't pray for them. But I, get, I, I bet you, if y'all would spend one week praying for your parents and your siblings, praying specifically for the situations in their lives and the things that they're going through, their relationships with each other, your heart would soften towards them. And I know, I know, I know that a lot of you have some situations at home that you don't like, but you can't control other people. You can control yourself. And you can begin to look like Jesus in your home. Bring it home. Let's pray together, and then we are going to continue in worship. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We know that it's so difficult to be like you at home. It's so difficult to, to love our brothers and our sisters and our, our moms and dads. And, and sometimes we mess up so much. Lord, I ask forgiveness for myself, for each of us, for when we've just messed up, when we've been impatient, when we've been unloving, when we've been selfish. Lord, I pray that older siblings in this room would raise up their younger siblings and encourage them and be, be sensitive towards them. I pray that younger siblings in here 
would set the standard of what it means to be a good sibling, even if the older sibling doesn't do it themselves. Lord, I pray that we would be good sons and daughters of our parents, of our step-parents. Maybe, maybe we have no relationship with our mom, our dad, or our step-parents, and we're just like, man, I, I want nothing to do with them, but I pray that we would be like Jesus to them, that we would be grace-filled with them. This doesn't mean we're best friends. This doesn't mean everything's great, but Lord, I pray that our students, that our life group leaders would be patient and grace-filled with their parents. Lord, I pray that we will bring it home, that we will bring the gospel home, that we will bring your love home, that we will bring service home, that we will bring grace home, that we'll spend time with you at home. Lord, give us the courage and the power to do that, to actually bring it home starting tonight, this week. And as we continue through this series, I pray that we would just grow in the way we reach out to our family, reach out to our parents, reach out to our siblings. Lord, we know you're the only one who can help us do it because it is not in our power. We are not good enough to do it. I'm not good enough to do it. We ask this all in your mighty, mighty, mighty name and in your mighty power. Amen.